0: Robert, Robert, good to
1: see you again. See you. What, you, what you just said is extremely interesting in the sense of that there is something going on inside the mind that is saying thou shalt not feel good. Is that correct? Does it have any qualifications to it? Thou shalt not feel good yet. Or thou shalt not feel good because.
0: Yes, yes, there usually is a, I think, a, it not, usually there's a reason, I think, but sometimes it doesn't feel like there's a reason. It just feels like, like, I've actually done this where I've asked myself, I'll be I'll be like, why aren't you letting me feel good? Because I'll know I should feel good. And it feels like part of me is stuffing me. I'll ask well, you know that I'll
1: it's be- okay to feel good. Here's the point about the word should that you just did. Okay, you should feel good because, in fact, the should is you should not feel good. And we've got to change that should not feel good into it's okay to feel good. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah,
1: OK. Um, when you say, I know I should feel good, that's kind of a contradiction. Uh-huh. Because if you knew that you should feel good, then you would give yourself complete and easy permission to do so. So where's the resistance coming from?
0: I, I don't know. I- Hey,
1: well, let me explain it to you then so that you can understand. I think you've heard this before, but a second version of it is uh, uh, revealing, let us say, if not delicious uh, and maybe even liberating. Uh, so um, this goes back to the uh, What Freud figured out in the 1890s is remarkably easy to put right into the teachings of the Buddha. It was like they saw the same things, but that they had uh, completely different languages and and ways of looking at it to the point that the way that uh, that Freud and his students, especially Eric Byrne, put these things together to where the Buddha talked about them more individually. In the sense of the Vedana is the child ego state, and our attachments to rites, rules, and rituals is the Siva Bhatta is the parent ego state. And then the wisdom, the ability to see things clearly and directly, is what Byrne calls the adult ego state. We can also see this very clearly in neuroanatomy. Surprisingly enough, the human brain is consisted of three major parts. There is the anterior cortex, which is referred to as the reptilian brain, which we can then equate to the child ego state or our feelings. Then in fact, the way that the um, uh reptilian brain communicates is with feelings it doesn't have language snakes don't talk but they strike
0: <laughs>
1: and they have fear all of that kind of stuff and when we recognize that there is a, three different sections of the brain the second section of the brain is called the temporal lobe or the mammalian brain And this is where all of our language and concepts are stored. This is where all the would shoulds, coulds, ought to be future plans and all of that kind of stuff takes hold in in um, not in logic, but in a set of standards or a set of rules or a list of things. Okay, and this very much associates with. the instinct called the nesting instinct and the nesting instinct really grew strong in mammals as mammals developed. They developed into tribes, into prides, into uh, uh, groups, uh, into flocks, that kind of thing. Uh, And that any tribe or nest uh, has to have a set of rules for people to get along or Monkeys to get along or dogs to get along or whatever is in that um, pride or group. Uh, and so this is where humans get their foundation of attachments to rules. In other words, we the rules state you got to go along to get along. If you break the rules, you'll become an outcast. I mean, humans have been doing that for centuries, right? Exile throw you out of here, or throw you in jail, which is another way of throwing you out of here or killing you, which is the ultimate throwing you out of here. And so this is where all the rules come from. It's a uh, uh, the method by which we can establish harmony when otherwise cruelty would exist. Mm-hmm. In other words, the big ape will throw the baby ape out of the tree nest if the baby ape will not shut up. Why? Because the big ape is afraid that the panthers are going to go climbing under the nest because the uh, baby is giving him away. And so to save all the people in that nest, all of the animals in that nest, maybe 10, 12 or something like that, they'll sacrifice that kid that won't shut his mouth. Animals mm-hmm. do this. Humans don't like that animals do this, but humans do it too.
0: <laughs> I was going to say that's, that's kind of fucked up nature.
1: <laughs> All right. And then we have the third part of the mind, which is the frontal cortex. And the frontal cortex is what makes humans humans. This is our reason, our logic. And our consciousness, the ability to see things, to put two and two together. And then once we put two and two together, guess what we do with it? We store it away for the future inside the reptilian, or not inside the reptilian mind, but inside of the um, uh, mammalian or the temporal part of the brain. When you understand that, then you can understand that our physiology, our physiology based upon history and DNA. And when I say history, I'm talking about evolutionary history. Has brought the human being to the point of every human being is a crowd. At least a trio. And what the whole teachings of the Buddha is all about is is to bring these three things into a state of integration. And right now in the process of you doing that, you come full on to the fact that you do have a conflict inside. The conflict one side says it's okay for you to feel good, which is coming from the adult. And then the parent steps in, the parent ego steps in and says, not yet. Not until you pass some secret magic test that we're not even going to tell you about. (laughs) And then the child can feel good. Until then, the child has to stay on edge and uptight and following the rules. So. What the practice of Anapanasati is really all about, then, is to begin to change that parent ego state from a critical parent into a nurturing parent. And that the overseer is the adult. The logic, okay? The logic says that it's okay to be free. It's okay to feel good but the parent is still saying, no, not yet. And you need to listen to these three parts and decide which one the child is going to listen to. He's going to continue to listen to the parent or is he going to start listening to the adult? Uh That's your question, okay? Who are you going to listen to? Because guess what? If you stop listening to the parent, it will go mute mute through disuse. And that's one of the ways of looking at it is, is that the adult, your reasoning ability, your ability to see things clearly needs to come in and take control. This is what we mean in Anapanasati of do an investigation. See that what the parent ego state is saying out of all of this criticism and all of these rules and everything is unwholesome it's a pattern it's a habit and not only that but uh what it seems to be is is that um the students who have one particular item like this that you're talking about it seems to be that they got that from one particular person in their past. It was like a dad or an uncle or a particular teacher or something like that. But someone was really hard on you to tell you, you can't do anything without his help. Or you can't do anything on your own, or you're not worthy to do anything on your own. It could have been at a case where you won a prize and then you didn't get the prize that you were robbed. And in that process, the child then with the adults, uh, overwhelming input comes to the conclusion then that the child doesn't deserve the prize because he was robbed more than likely who robbed the child was the parent because you're Mm -hmm. already not supposed to feel good, not yet. You haven't passed my test. So you can remember now and recollect who was it in your past that was hard on you like that because you do assume that person and you become that person in your own mind just to hassle yourself, the child inside. And so a dialogue that was set up when you were a little kid, you're continuing to play that same dialogue out do you have a clue about who I'm talking about? Possibly one person, maybe several, but more than likely just one person really beat it into you that you do not deserve your prize. You can't have your prize.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have I have some idea. Um I don't know if it's like severe enough to like count as like really like would have like put that into my brain like as as like hard as I feel like it's lodged in here, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But, well,
1: the, actually, mm-hmm. the interesting point is about the archaeological psychological archaeology is, is that we don't have to even identify the character. OK, cool. once the corpse is buried, who cares? <laughs> And that's the idea. Basically, uh, identifying the character is only to give that part of the superego last rights as we throw him out. Okay, But you you do not have to issue those last rights because you don't even care who it was. Just throw that critical parent out of the mind whenever it's
0: the thing. I throw it out and immediately it comes back and it's and it's now it's angry. It's like resentful. It's like, how dare you throw me? Uh huh. I don't know what to do. And so
1: then how do you feel?
0: uh, Like a victim, Rejected,
1: suppressed, fearful.
0: Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, like, I feel like I'm I'm powerless. Like, I can't get rid of this.
1: Well, ah, I can't get rid of it. All right. I'm doomed. I'm stuck. Right. Yeah. That also is an unwholesome thought. And it actually comes out of that uh, whole point of you can't have uh, any happiness until. So that. comes back into play, this is where the Buddha, uh, uh, the whole teaching of the Buddha can, can be said at this one point. There's a linchpin or there's a point in there, uh, maybe a fulcrum or a balance point. But what this point is, is, um, in fact, this is the unraveling of the Petita Samapada When the Buddha comes up with the statement, aha, I see you, Mara." In your case, it would be, aha, I see you, Uncle Fred. Okay. Aha, I see you. But the aha, I see you is not what you're doing. What you're doing instead is, oh, no, here it comes again. Oh, poor me. All right. So we have to remember to make that change. We have to remember to take the right effort. We have to remember that you are okay. And not only that, but it's okay to be happy, even though you've got this really tough script that you have been given and that you read it to yourself over and over and over again and have been your whole life. Which, by the way, reminds me of the story about Shakespeare, who says that all the world's a stage and everyone is a player on the stage. But he left out the part and maybe hadn't figured it out, but Eric Byrne did. Because Eric Byrne comes up with saying that, yes, everybody's on stage as an actor, reading a script that was given to them in childhood. And everyone goes around their whole life reading that script. What does that script say? It's all of the rules, all the supposed to's, all the ways that things are all the shoulds in fact, you should. Mhm mhm okay right. and you even use that word you should feel good when in fact the reality is is that it's okay to feel good but you should feel bad
0: because i already feel bad right just like yeah and, that's just that uh-huh.
1: and so the question is can you come with aha i see you mara can you do that every time that <clears throat> shouldness Thumbs up. Can you catch it and say, I see you. Mm -hmm. it is okay for me to be happy anyway.
0: Okay. I I guess I guess it has to be like there has to be a lot more, I think, enthusiasm and energy that I'm putting into this seeing. Because I'll have this moment of seeing and of remembering and I'll see it and I'll be like, "Uh Aha, I see you should. I don't need to do that. It's okay. I can be happy.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then I'm just flat
1: And then it comes again And you forget this time It says oh no I chased him out this time But he's back I'm a loser Rather than coming back with it Okay I got rid of him one time I can get rid of him again
0: Right so even if it's for a split second I got hit it again mm -hmm. I can get rid of him again Uh huh uh huh. Uh huh. You can do it
1: again and do it again and do it again. That's what the repetition is all about. Keep coming back and, aha, uh-huh, I see you, Myra, and throw
0: him out. Almost like an irrational confidence at first.
1: Well, if you continue to do that, the confidence will grow. You see, you don't have confidence because you do it one time. And when it happens a second or a third time, you say, oh, no. Yeah. Rather than but we, saying, OK, I'm going to stand on vigil because I know that that guy's coming back. And when he does, got you, I see you.
0: But we got to kind of fake it till we make it a little bit at first. Like we have to like act confident, even though we might not feel confident. Like we have to be like, you well, know, I don't feel like I can do this but I can do this and really just like like, kind of make it up.
1: <laughs> I have heard that statement, fake it until you make it, and it does have a tremendous amount of um, uh, of, of wisdom to it. But it's it's got a, a, a basic flaw. And a better way to say it is make it as best you can until you make it right. The faking it is the problem is because when you fake it, you think that you're going to lose anyway, that you're a faker, that you're, uh, but you can start instead with the confidence of, let me do the best that I can right now. I'll improve. I can do this. Okay, this is the basic change of attitude. The, the, The loser has the attitude of fake it till you make it. And the winner has the attitude, well, I'll make it as best I can and improve and be better next time. And I'll keep making it, and I'll keep making it.
0: Yeah, it's like faking them.
1: Right, exactly. Now, here's the thing, is, is that you are already making it. You are already underway because now you're beginning to hear this stuff inside that you didn't even hear before. You're already making tremendous progress because now you're coming in contact with the fact that you've got an argument inside your mind.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Congratulations. Most people don't do that. That takes a long time for people to figure out that they've got a basic argument inside their mind, an argument that was set up when they were in childhood and they keep going back and forth and up and down and wishy-washy. And I don't know, and yes, I can and no, I can't. And, you know, the the whole uh, show of it is based upon. The fact that the standards that we set up when we were children, based upon what we were told, we were we set those standards up as a child and not being able to make up m- match our own standards. And so in adulthood, as you can see, you've set standards for yourself that you can't meet. That you're a failure according to the standards that you've set up. And so therefore, you're not supposed to be happy. Because you're not making up the standards, right? Well, guess what? The standards are wrong. You are making it. It's just that the standard is too high. And so what you need to do is to lower the standards. This is what we mean by the critical mind, changing the critical mind into the nurturing mind is to lower your standards to the point that the standards meet you where you are, what you've made. So if the standards is 10 feet off the ground and you can only get an inch off the ground, you're going to remain miserable until you bring your standards down to one inch. And now you're a winner and all you had to do is change your attitude. From I can't do it into I can do it.
0: So this might be a really weird question. What if my like standard that I'm comparing myself to. Um. I was about to say, I know it shouldn't be, but even that's another (laughs)
1: thing. Yeah, see, there you can catch that stuff.
0: So what if that is like um, entering the first jhana, going from dissatisfaction to overall satisfaction? Sometimes it feels like I can't even do that. Should I, should I then be satisfied with failure?
1: That's one of the big problems with using words like jhana. In the time of the Buddha, basically everybody knew what the jhanas were. They're just normal states and our English language jhana and even the concept of jhana is not in our vocabulary or in our knowledge base. Therefore, what we do is, is that we make mistakes about what is jhana. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. making it important. Okay. And in okay. fact, it should not actually be important at all that what we can say is, is that, um, I had a music teacher and I've seen other, uh, school teachers do this, that when the child does good homework, he gets a gold star and the teachers have a little box of gold stars and they'll put that gold star on that particular song that the kid learned to play or that particular test that he made. Okay. Here's the point is that the playing of the piece was the gold star, not the gold star. The doing well on the homework or on the test was the gold star, not the gold star. The teacher put on the paper. And yet every child makes that mistake. I got a gold star. Rather than recognizing, I did such a great job, it was worthy of a gold star. Right? And so we get attached then to these outward signs. And so the word jhana is nothing but a label or a little gold piece of um, paper that you want to plaster on your forehead. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and that's all out of the superego. And so this is where we can come to it is to recognize that you do not have to meet any standards in order to feel happy. All you have to do is check the standard maker and throw him out. So when you come up with that feeling of, oh, I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't do that, you can say, "Uh "Haha, I caught you. There it goes again.
0: I'm just trying to do this in my mind. Um, Because I noticed I felt really good listening to you. And then then, uh, you stopped talking and I was kind of just coming back and I was like, okay, I feel good. And then there was this, I don't feel good. And I was like, why don't I feel good? And I was like, well, I don't know. And I was like, well, let's feel good anyway. Mm-hmm. And I was like, But I don't feel good. Okay. I, I, I kind of, I think I kind of get what you're saying, like calling it Duca versus Duca Neroda. The, the term Duca is like the little gold star. But the actual thing was just becoming satisfied.
1: Mm mm-hmm. You can become satisfied when you throw out the rule systems that you don't come up to standards for. hmm.
0: hmm.
1: Okay. That's the point, is can you catch those thoughts? And sometimes they're very fast. Sometimes they're a flicker of an image.
0: Yeah, like it's. I feel like like I'm trying to use this filter on my brain where I'm trying to notice how these things are rules and how it's my rules and standards and expectations that are what are making me miserable. Because it doesn't feel like that. Like it feels like I'm just sad for no reason. I'm trying to notice like how is there actually a rule yeah, that how is there an expectation I'm not meeting That's making me feel this way
1: Ah so we can change the rule Into the word expectations. Stop mm-hmm. expecting anything from it's, yourself
0: So all unhappiness Is it these expectations mm-hmm. It's all just like rule making Expectation having And that's, that's all the duke will always come back to that
1: Congratulations. Okay, so we've got it. We've got the word expectations. That's a very good one for you. Okay, so I use the words rules and rituals and parent ego states and all of that kind of stuff, but expectations, that'll do the trick.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And if you can understand, so when you recognize that you've got expectations for yourself and you don't match up to those expectations, you feel bad. And the right thing to do is to catch those expectations, catch them and recognize yeah. that those expectations are uh, never going to be met. You'll always keep the standards way above where you can catch up to.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I follow. I follow. I follow. Right. So, for example, it could be like my expectation is I should be in first jhana right now. I see you, Mara. I can yeah. let and not care about that. And now I'm a little uh-huh. bit happy. Or well, my expectation is uh, I should have more money. I see you, Mara. I can let that go. I have enough. This is fine. I That's it around. And now the expectation is on its head. I'm just doing that. Now,
1: here's the funny part. When you say I don't need to or when the thought says you should be in first right now, and uh-huh. the answer to that is, aha, I see you, Mara, and out you go because I'm already all right. And then I take a deep breath and relax, and then I go right into the first jhana. But if you're there in that conversation with you should be in first jhana and feeling bad about it, that's not the first jhana. But when you can catch that thought and say, aha, I see that thought, I see that thought and I can throw that thought right out and relax
0: because I'm
1: already okay.
0: 'Cause I entered the first jhana for a second there, and immediately afterwards I had another thought which said, You don't deserve to yes, feel happy. You don't deserve to right. be in the first jhana. And so I had to flip that one around as well. I had to be like, I do deserve it. I didn't really have a reason. I was kind I've of I've got different.
1: it. I don't have to deserve it. I've got it. <laughs> I don't have to deserve it. In yeah. fact that whole quality <laughs> of deserving it has is coming out of that parent ego state. And the parent ego state, when it gets really, really big and huge and grandiose, it becomes a religion or a god.
0: Holy shit. Holy shit. This is actually starting to make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's the sum total of all of the wo- would, shoulds, coulds, orders, rules, rituals and everything that we learned as a child. We grow up with that stuff as a set of standards that we can't match up to. And so we feel bad.
0: Right, because that's how you control people, isn't it? That's how you control that's the exactly.
1: Kids. That's how we controlled our kids. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so in a way, Anapanasati is coming out of our socializations so that we could really be social.
0: uh hmm uh-huh. uh-huh.
1: We can really get along and be friends with people because we don't have all of these rules and conventions that separate us.
0: Yeah, we don't want something from them. We're just... I don't
1: want anything from them. Right, I don't want anything from you. I'm just enjoying the heck out of our conversation right now. I really like watching you smile and nod your head and say, yeah, I'm getting it.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. That's awesome. I'm enjoying it too. Great, great. That That clears a lot up. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and take that filter in with me in into my investigations going forward of just seeing how every time there's dukkha like there's some kind of expectation or standard or rule or you know I deserve this I deserve that like all of that kind of super ego parent ego state stuff mm-hmm. that's why, why I'm suffering.
1: That's yeah. exactly right. But that's why everybody suffers. This is a standard model. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and it's to alleviate suffering. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> all right
1: well um molly is waiting for me so i'll call her now and uh i think that we've gotten this this is good these little short clips like this this is going to be good for you
0: yeah this is good this is a good place to stop i feel like i've got the insight i need to This is going to juice up my investigations going forward. Thank you very much, Damaretto.
1: Excellent. Excellent. We'll see you later, Robert. (laughs) Great.